Today we're going to be talking about everyone is full of something. Yes, strange but true. Everyone is full of something. But first, I want to talk a little bit about um, gardening season, growing season in Winnipeg. It is growing season. Hallelujah. And Luann and I spent a lot of time in our backyard yesterday digging up stuff and rooting around in the dirt. And I promised her, I was talking to someone else today, I promised her that I would come with fairly clean fingernails. Okay? I did pretty well. Don't look any closer, please. Please, no scrutiny. And I was trying to explain to her, I would have no authenticity of a preacher if I didn't show up with dirty fingernails. But it it didn't work. But anyway, it came out fairly clean. But... There's something about this time of year that's encouraging. The garden centers are full. People are growing stuff. In the passage we're going to read this morning, Jesus was talking about growing stuff as well. And he talks about vineyards. A very common sight in that day. I don't know, do we have any vineyards in Manitoba? Not really. There's one in Saskatchewan. I have done the vineyard tour of Saskatchewan. Took about an hour, but it's there. Uh, The vineyards that uh, Luann and I saw in the Okanagan Valley a couple of years ago are really very pretty. And they're all over both sides of the Okanagan. Everyone's popping up with wineries and vineyards. And it's, it's interesting to go on the tour. I'll tell you about that more in a minute. But because... Growing grapes were so uh, common in Jesus' day. For some of us, we might not drink wine or it might be for a special occasion, but vineyards were quite common in, in Palestine in Jesus' day because wine wasn't a, a luxury. It was kind of a common everyday drink because it was a lot safer than some of the water they had that was untreated at that time. Do we have any gardeners here? Anybody else with dirty fingers? Okay, and you're... You're not ashamed to admit it. That's good. Okay. Great. Well, here's the thing. Biology 101. A branch has to stay connected to the vine to produce fruit. Right? I know that much from high school biology and growing up on a farm. Right? You've got to stay connected somehow. So let's read what Jesus has to say. Keep that in mind. This is Jesus talking. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean. He's he's talking to his friends, his disciples. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be 
my disciples. So, a little bit of elementary gardening lesson uh, done by Jesus there. Again, it's absolutely important for a branch to stay connected to the vine. Otherwise, uh, nothing's really going to happen, is it? And my first reaction to that is, duh, but there's life in that connection. If you cut off the limb of an apple tree and it's still got some apples on it, they might stay there or look okay for a day or two, but eventually they're going to wither and die, right? There's that connection. The life is in the branch itself, the life to produce fruit. Jesus says we need to remain in him. Other versions uh, use the word uh, remain, abide, stay, just stay connected. Think of that. We, as Christians, we have to stay connected to Jesus. Otherwise, we will not be fruitful. But how do we do that? We'll get to that in a moment. Now think about this. Those of you who are gardeners, those hardy souls who held up your hands, do the plants take care of themselves? My weeds do fine. I was marveling at how strong and resilient the dandelions are in my backyard. It's amazing. As I attacked them with my gardening knife, I was marveling at how they always come up through the cracks in the sidewalk and stuff like that. And I'm muttering away, always in a positive attitude, to Luann, I can't believe how resilient these things are. So, dandelions and weeds don't seem to have a problem popping up, but plants require constant maintenance, don't they? We've got to protect them from bugs and blight and pesky neighbors. Oh, I found out on the weekend there's a family tradition in my wife's family. Apparently, if it's poking through the fence, it's public property. Yeah, okay, all right. Cool, all right, I didn't know that, so... Just beware if I'm in your neighborhood. Okay. But we always have to do fuss over these, over these plants. When Luann and I were touring the, the vineyard, one vineyard in the Okanagan, we went out to see the rows and rows of grapevines. In a way, it wasn't very exciting. But then I realized, ah, oh, this is like this story Jesus was telling. And I'd never really been in a real vineyard before with real grapevines and stuff. So I was the one, I was the kid in the front of the group asking all the questions. And I think I was getting a little tired, but I I was fascinated. So how much time do you spend actually taking care of these vines? And he said, I mean, they had acres and acres of vines. We go over these vines every week. Every week, by hand, They're trimming and and adjusting them and fussing over them every week. I barely do my lawn once a week. Uh, Well, if the weeds get high enough and it gets offensive, I mow them. But that's such attention to detail. And it spoke to me so much about God being the gardener and wanting to do good things in our lives and so concerned that we bear fruit, that we're fruitful as Christians, that we have fulfilled fruitful lives. That's what a plant's for, right? To produce fruit. 
So they require, these vineyards require constant care and, and pruning. I don't like the pruning thing. That sounds kind of sharp. My father-in-law, Bob Crawford, is an amazing guy. He's got a, um, he's literally outstanding in his field because he's got a uh, master's in field husbandry. He's an ag- agricultural major. And he knows, he knows plants. And when he used to come to our properties, uh, even now, uh, the family joke was when the trees see Bob coming with a pair of clippers, they start shaking in fear. Because he would just give them a haircut, you know, every spring, fall, whatever they need. And I look at all the branches on the ground and count the branches on the tree. And I think, okay, I guess you know best. And he did, because he knew how to shape them, and he knew what wasn't going to be fruitful, so he just trimmed them, right? He just removed them. What kind of things need to be pruned in our lives? Ooh, we'll get back to that in a minute. You don't want the pastor to meddle in your personal life. I'm not. It's the Holy Spirit. Blame him. But think about that. To be fruitful... Plants need to be trimmed and pruned properly, and then they bear more fruit. You have to get rid of all the unnecessary branches and what we call suckers to, so they can be truly fruitful. But what kind of fruit does Jesus want us to produce? Well, I think there's, there's two kinds, really, two kinds of fruit. Um, going back to biology, healthy plants produce other healthy plants. So healthy Christians or healthy Christian community will produce other healthy Christians, right? That's one of the ways we know if we're fruitful or not. Secondly, as individuals, we reflect a different kind of character if we're following Jesus. If Jesus is truly living in us, we should be different people. We look different. We act differently. Maybe we smell differently. I hope so. Actually, the gospel talks about us having a certain aroma. And I don't mean physical feel or whatever, but, but an aroma that's positive. So if you go into a place and you're following Jesus, that place, the, the, the vibe, the culture of that place should get an upgrade because you are there, Jesus is in you, and it should make things different. You get it? So there's an aroma that, that people have. Well, the fruit of the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is in us and growing us and helping us to mature, this is what should happen. Maybe some of the, maybe you can recite this list with me. What is, what are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wow. Imagine someone full of that. What a life. What a life they would live. Wouldn't you want to be around someone who's full of love? I'd love to be around. I love being around people who are full of joy and and exuberant. Uh, I need people in my life who are full of patience, especially. And kindness. We need more of those people on the bus and driving. People who are full of goodness. Wouldn't that change the the daily news if we have more people full of goodness? People full of faithfulness who stick it out and are filled with faith. 
People who are gentle. By the way, never confuse gentleness with weakness. Gentleness is gentle. You can be strong and gentle at the same time. That's the best kind of gentleness, I think. Self-control. Wow. Imagine people with self-control in our society. What would happen to the advertising industry? Well, we won't get off on that. So you can see that if, if Jesus wants us to produce fruit, he wants us to abide in the vine, to stay connected to him. He wants us to be fruitful. He prunes stuff out of our life so we can bear more fruit. And that fruit, two different kinds mainly, other Christians, other people following Jesus, more and more people following Jesus, and these characteristics of a Holy Spirit-filled life through His Spirit living in us. So we want to live fruitful lives. And even though it requires pruning, how do we stay connected to Jesus? I think Jesus told this story about the vineyard, vines and grapes and fruit and pruning and all that stuff, to set up His friends for the delivery, the introduction to the Holy Spirit. Because just a few verses down in John chapter 15, verse 26, it says, guys, I'm going to send you an advocate. An advocate, other translations use helper or friend, comforter. Uh, The Greek word, if you're keeping score at home, is parakletos, someone who is called alongside. Okay? Someone who's called alongside us to walk with us. Jesus' friends were all freaked out because he's saying, well, got to go. I'm leaving. Getting you guys ready. And they're going, wait, wait, wait. But he's promising them, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I won't leave you alone. I won't leave you destitute. And he says, actually, in the next chapter, it's actually to your advantage if I go. Because while I'm here, I can only be, I'm limited, I'm only in one place at one time. But when I leave and the Comforter comes, the Holy Spirit comes, He'll be in each of you all the time, 24-7. I run into people occasionally who get a little bit nostalgic for the good old days and say, oh, wouldn't it be great to be in the days of Jesus and just follow Him around? And I, I get that. I mean, that would be really cool. Do you know Mark Scheifele, the... the, the uh, I was almost going to say captain of the Jets. He's not. The assistant captain of the Jets was interviewed uh, this week, or sorry, this spring. And he said, uh, who are three people that you like to have lunch with? First one on the list, Jesus Christ. What? You can't say that on a sports magazine. It's interesting, all, all the follow-up articles, they edited that out, you know, too religious, I guess. But Shifley would like to have lunch with Jesus. I would love to have life, lunch with Jesus, sure. But to those folks who say, oh, for the good old days, where if we could just see Jesus physically, I get that. But we can have him with us all the time. If we just pay attention, if we just welcome him and say, Holy Spirit, what have you got? What's on the agenda today? You could wake up every morning with Jesus if you really wanted to. What? You can. 
The last person you could say goodnight to every night would be Jesus. If you want to. Because he's with us all the time. The potential is there. So Jesus is explaining to his friends, look, Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to do a couple of specific things. He's the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. So, any doubts, questions, things like that, Holy Spirit's going to explain Jesus to us. And we know that when we wake up spiritually and start following Jesus. Also, uh, later on in the next chapter, in John 16, uh, one of the, basically, the -the on-the-job description of the Holy Spirit, one of the things he does is he convicts the world of sin. He shows us where we're going wrong. You know, if you're you're making choices and you're trying to sort out what what is good and what is not helpful, and the Holy Spirit says, ah, 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 go this way. He convicts us of sin. And even after we've blown it and we say, oh, I'm sorry, he reminds us that when we confess our sins, we are forgiven and then we can move on. That's what Holy Spirit does. Just as if Jesus was sitting beside you saying, hey, I know you blew it. Let's get back on the horse. Let's get back at it again. You're restored. Our relationship is all good. That's what Holy Spirit does. And when the Spirit of Truth comes, is another name for the Holy Spirit, He will guide us into all truth. So when Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit, He comes to teach us about Jesus, convict us of sin, and guide us into all truth. It's like having Jesus with us all the time. Which sounds like a great deal, right? That's how we stay connected to the vine. But we have to ask ourselves, really, do we really want this? Because it says in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul, the Apostle Paul gives us some great advice. He says, don't get drunk with wine, because that's going to ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're going to be filled with something, be filled with the Spirit of Jesus, right? Be filled with the Spirit of God. If you're going to be filled with something. Many of us have encountered someone who's intoxicated, and we know that we call them, they're, they're under the influence, right? That's kind of the petite. There's other expressions for that. But they're under the influence of alcohol, and they do stupid things that they wouldn't normally do. And if you go to a sit-in court, spend a day sitting in court, how many tragedies are related to drug and alcohol abuse, listen carefully, abuse of those things. It's just a mess. And Paul's saying, well, don't do that. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, most of you are saying, well, I've never been drunk in my life, or maybe I never touched this stuff. Great. What other things do you use to to numb your pain and and ignore the call of Jesus? How many of us have had a Netflix hangover? You know, maybe, or maybe you don't know what I'm, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's good. But if you've had one, you know, oh, I can't believe I watched that that commercial that was on recently. I can't believe I watched 10 seasons. Oh, look, I've got a beard. Grandpa's sick. Oh, Grandpa's died. You know, you know that commercial. You watch TV, too much TV if you know that commercial. But you can get hungover on that, or you can get obsessed with appearances. You can get obsessed. You can be 
locked into having a grudge against someone. You can get so many things can distract us and pull us away from being filled with the Spirit. It's not just alcohol and drug abuse that we need to watch out for. Some of us get fixated with food. Some of us get fixated with shopping. Some of us get fixated with the most inane things. But we allow these things to take over our lives. But Jesus is trying to say to his friends, okay, you want to be fruitful in life, you want to have all these good things and be filled with the Spirit of God, filled with all these positive things, then stay connected to me. But there's one problem. I can't do this on my own. I've successfully, well, it's mostly Luann's success. We've raised three children to fairly responsible adulthood, which is great. But when they were little, it was so scary. I look out there at Portage Avenue thinking, you're crossing a street with a small child. How do you hang on to their hand? You know, kids are so cute. And they have this, um, you, could, you could tell me later, with the, there's, a, there's a response, there's a reflex that babies have. You know, you just put their pinky, your, your pinky in their grip, and they just grab it, right? And that's really cute. And you can do that with the toddlers. They're learning how to walk. Um, and that's, that's kind of cute. It's fun seeing our babies get their, sort of get their sea legs and, and toddle around. But if we're crossing Portage Avenue, how would you hang on to that child? Would you let them just grab your pinky like this? Oh, it's so cute. Watch out for the semi, sweetie. Oh, there's a bus. You're doing that. No way. I'm sorry. I would have a death grip, almost death grip on that child. Nothing scarier than taking a kid out into traffic. That's why we need God to hang on to us so we can abide in him. You got it? When you cross portage, you scoop up your small children and you make sure that they remain in you or safely in your arms while you, while you cross the street. Otherwise, I think it's criminally irresponsible. You just don't do that. So how do we stay connected to Jesus? He sent us Holy Spirit. One of the words, one of the English translations of this word parakletos is advocate. Someone who comes alongside. I love that word. Advocate. Because it means you're fighting for somebody. You're rooting for them. Luann was my advocate when I was sick in the hospital for months and months at a time. And once she literally, at least once, she literally saved my life by saying, oh, I didn't think that's the wrong medication. And it was. So I love the word advocate, okay? Otherwise, I wouldn't be here standing before you today. Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's our guide. Now, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can be absolutely overwhelmed, drenched, intoxicated under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And it will make us so much better people than we are now, right? If we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, instead of shame and anger and grudges and hatred and addictions and dependencies and stuff we don't want other people to see, what are we full of? Full of love, joy, 
patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things that we try so hard to do on our own. We can be full of those things because Holy Spirit wants to come and give us everything that God intends for us. Now, does that sound like a good deal? What are you thinking? Rick, it's about time to wrap it up. That's what some of you are thinking. And I get that. But what I'm trying to do today is set the table. Because next week, I don't know if you realize it, on the Christian calendar is a day called Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. Where the first church got hit with a Holy Spirit bomb and it blew up in a good way and it changed the life, it changed history because Holy Spirit came on a bunch of Jesus followers who are praying earnestly for Holy Spirit to come. Now, you don't have to wait till next week because Holy Spirit can do that with you today. But I want to challenge you for the following week. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. Oh, gosh. Anyway, sorry, I'm just going on a limb here, but I can't believe I'm doing, part of me can't believe I'm doing this, but here's what I want you to do. I want all of us to do. I would challenge all of us to earnestly pray this week. Say, God, I want to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, in order for that to happen, some pruning might need to happen. In fact, some pruning will need to happen, especially in the pastor's life and in your lives too, all of us. Some pruning will need to occur. So we need to do a fearless spiritual inventory of our lives saying, God, what is there anything here that's not pleasing to you? Anybody I need to forgive? Anything I need to renounce? Do I need help in you know, getting over some stuff. If so, you can call a friend, call the office, we'll we'll help you with that. But do the prep work first. Do the cleaning out. Ask Jesus to help you. You can't do it on your own. What I love about following Jesus, it's not pull yourself by your bootstraps religion. Religion is too much work, right? Following Jesus sets us free. So as we invite Jesus into our lives and get rid of that stuff, then we'll be ready for Holy Spirit. And think about it. I know I'm the king of dumb questions, but I want to pose this question to you today. Do you really want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you really want this? And if everybody's full of something, then why not be filled with the Holy Spirit? Right? Why not? Oh, I love the suspense. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we believe you exist. We believe you're God. And we know that you've been sent to be inside each one of us. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would stir up a spiritual hunger here at Elam Chapel so that all of us would desire, thirst, hunger, to be filled with your spirit. We want to know what that feels like. We want to experience that. So I pray that over the next week, you would prepare us as we pray earnestly for you to manifest yourself, to show up in power among us. 
Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.